Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart, but unlike God, David wasn't perfect. In fact, 2 Samuel 11 tells us of the great depravity that David's sin would lead him to. Now, the truth is, even those of us who've been born again must continue to deal with our flesh, and sometimes if we're not guarded, our flesh will lead us directly into sin and we'll lose our fellowship with God and the joy in our hearts. In today's message, we're going to look at how David responded once the light of God's Word revealed unto him just how far he'd fallen. Join us today as we examine a godly response to sin. Psalms chapter 51, the Bible says this. It says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of all thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall thy offer bullocks upon thine altar. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessed word. God, the truth that's therein and just what glories can be found in the treasures of your word. And God, I just pray, Lord, you help us tonight to expound upon it. God, you know our frailties and you know our iniquities. You know what we lack. Uh, God, in this pulpit, Lord, but your truth lacks nothing. And God, your power lacks nothing. And God, that's what I pray these people see tonight. And God, I ask you, Lord, that you just be with us, help us, minister unto us. And Lord, draw us tonight into your bosom. We'll thank you for that, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May be seated. I feel quite certain that your Bible is as mine with the preface of Psalm 51. Didn't read it for purpose. 
in the uh, scripture, but I want to share it with you now because it is uh, the basis for the message tonight. It says this, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. Now I'm sure that most of you probably know what took place with David and Bathsheba, but uh, just in case you don't, we're going to turn to Second um, Samuel 11. Second Samuel 11, and we're going to refresh our minds as to what happened uh, with David and his great sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, her husband. So Second Samuel 11. Just read some of this here. Second Samuel 11. Uh, verse uh, number one, it says, And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. It came to pass in an evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof... He saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Verse number four, And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her. And she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And then so, without reading the remainder of it, David sent to Joab and tried to get her husband to come back and her husband to lay with his wife so that his sin would be hidden. He wouldn't do it. His heart was... Uh, to take the battle unto the men, unto the enemy. He wouldn't do it. He got him drunk, and he still wouldn't do it. And finally, he sent by his own hand his death certificate. Sent by his own hand orders unto Joab to put Uriah in the heat of the battle and then withdraw from him. That's what he did. And so Uriah died in battle to hide David's sin. And uh, so anyway, down toward the end of chapter 11, it says this, verse number 26, And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And so what I want to speak about tonight is a godly response to sin. We see David sinned, and David sinned greatly. And I, I want you to just, before we move any further, I, I just want to say this, and that is, listen, I don't know what sin you have ever had in your life, but I'm telling you, just because you have sin, that does not mean you can't be used by God. Now, you will not be able to continue in your sin and be used by God. And that's why it's important to see a godly response to sin. 
And so in order to see uh, David's response and how he responded unto his sin, he, he had to first be made known of his sin because David was kind of living in his own little world here. And so we see, number one, the revelation of sin. The revelation of sin, we see that a preacher was sent to him. Uh, chapter 12 in Second Samuel there, we see in verse number one, it says, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And uh, so the preacher was sent unto him, and he says, He came unto him and said unto him, he starts giving him this parable. A preacher was sent unto David. And so here it was, David was in his own little world. David was, uh, he had decided to care for and engulf himself in the things of the world instead of the things of God. Now that happened before Bathsheba. In fact, it was because he was doing that, that the whole episode with Bathsheba took place. You know, the kings went forth to battle, but yet David tarried there at the house. And so here it was, David had let worldliness creep into his life, and it was like he was ignorant of what had uh, taken place. I mean, it's one thing, it's, it's bad enough to lay with another man's wife, say amen. This world celebrated, it's still sin. Amen. It's bad enough that David did that, but then uh, to cover it up, David had a man murdered. And so, uh, and, and then it seemed like, uh, at least through Scripture, what little bit we have, that David was absolutely oblivious as to what was going on. I mean, he, he went and sat and had that woman to, uh, to come marry him. It didn't, it didn't seem like he had any repentant bone in his body of what was going on. And so God sent a man unto him to point out what thus saith the Lord and to help David to understand just exactly where he's at. We see the preacher was sent. Secondly, we see uh, the preaching was inspired. Go ahead and read verse number 1 in its entirety in, verse, in chapter 12. And the Lord said, uh, sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him, and he said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little lamb which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat, and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock, and of his own herd, to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb, and dressed it. Uh, for the man that was come to him. And that didn't mean put on clothes on that little ewe lamb, okay? It meant to slaughter it, is what he did. And so he slaughtered that man's, that poor man's lamb. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And isn't that just like uh, people today? Man, they are so eager to point out the sin in someone else's life, but they're oblivious to their own. And that's where David was, man. He was looking. He said, man, that guy's going to die. You let me know who he is. I'm the king. I'll go take care of it. And then we see Nathan's response. But before we, before we even get there, we have to see that this preaching was inspired of God. David had tried to keep it a secret what he did. I mean, in, in, uh, uh, later on down here, you'll see that in his rebuke of David, he said, what thou didst, thou didst in secret, but what I'm going to do you to you, I'm going to do it openly. And so David didn't advertise uh, what had taken place. The preacher knew, though, it was inspired of God. And you know what? That's, that, this church, the churches in America today, 
you can literally have whatever kind of preaching you want. Right? I've been told I'm too loud. <laughs> Amen, I heard that. I've been told I'm too loud. And, uh, and, and, you know, if you don't like somebody that's too loud, then you can find someone a little quieter or a little quieter than that, a little quieter than that. You can find somebody that'll be like You can have whatever you want in America. And, and, and you know, I, if someone might preach, you might throw up their right hand. And you can say, well, I don't like the way that preacher throws up his right hand. I'm really partial to the ones that throw up their left hand. And so you can find preachers that'll do that too. I mean, listen, you can find any kind of preaching in America you really want. But I'll tell you one thing that is really rare, and that is inspired preaching inspired preaching Nathan was inspired he uh, he God had directed him and he directed him unto David to give David the word of God the preaching uh, the preacher was sent the preaching was inspired and it was powerful powerful preaching uh, listen Nathan didn't mince words here he gave him an illustration and then he gave an accusation. Verse number seven. And Nathan said unto David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given you unto uh, thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy, thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thee wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel." And before the sun, you see that uh, it was powerful preaching. He, he did not mince words. He gave exactly to David what David needed, and that was the Word of God. Hey, listen, as I said, there's a lot of uninspired preaching going on in America. There's very little inspired preaching, and the reason is most of it's not founded in the Word of God. The Word of God is what changes lives, amen? Not the word of Scott McGraw, not the word of uh, Brother White, not the word of Brother Dennis, not the word uh, of, uh, you know, just anybody else. You, you can name anybody. Hey, but the word of God matters. And it makes a difference. And that's why it must be proclaimed. And that's what Nathan did. That's what Nathan did. You see the revelation of sin. God had sent a preacher unto David to get him to understand where it was that he was. And uh, to get him to understand that that is not where God wanted him. He needed to be in a different place. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this. It says, For the preaching of the cross to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. And so when you look at that verse, you can surmise uh, one thing, and that is this. That is that to those that will hear is powerful. But there's a lot of people that will ignore it. And it's foolishness under We see the revelation of sin. And so, so the sin was revealed unto David. David had lulled himself into this spiritual sleep. And God had sent this man to reveal unto David just exactly where he was. So what was David's response? Turn back over to Psalms 51, if you will. Psalms 51. 
we see that in this psalm, David's response. And of course, if you were to look over, uh, look over back to where we were, you would see his physical response. But in this psalm, it kind of, he kind of pours out his heart. He pours out his heart. You see that when David did that, David did, man, he had a change of mind. He had a change of heart and he fell down in sackcloth and ashes and he fasted so that God would might take his wrath away and spare his child. But he didn't. And uh, even still, even still, when it didn't work out the way David wanted to, David still uh, Praise the Lord. David still sought the Lord's face. And so that, that was what happened physically. But here's what happened kind of emotionally, spiritually in the life of David. It's, it's played out here in uh, chapter 51. You see that recognition uh, was shown. He, 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 he recognized what he'd done. He recognized. You see, at this point, David could have done one of two things. He could have said... Listen, Nathan, I'm the king. I can do what I want. You are not above me, Nathan. Nathan, in fact, I don't like the way you're preaching. <laughs> Go get me someone else. He could have, he could have done whatever, whatever he wanted to. He could have said, Nathan, you didn't even shake my hand, so therefore I'm not talking to you. Right? He could have done anything he wanted to. He could have ignored it altogether because that's what most Christians do. They make excuse for their sin. They look at their sin and say, well, listen, my sin's not near as bad as that guy, so I think I'm just comfortable right here in my sin. And uh, so they make excuse for it. They ignore it. That's not what David did. David recognized his sin in his life. And uh, I might add it was for the better. Uh, for him moving forward. But see, when he recognized that, he saw what he had done. Number one, he pleaded for God's mercy. Verse number one, back in Psalms 51. First words out of his mouth, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God. Have mercy upon me. It's not just, he pled for God's mercy. But it's not just that he pled for his mercy. He pointed out something in his petition. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. And so he was pleading for mercy from a merciful God. I'm glad I have a merciful God. Amen. You know, it's one thing to uh, it's one thing to cry out for mercy unto uh, unto uh, an unmerciful person, but thank God we serve a merciful God. Uh, according to Thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of Thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. David recognized that he was pleading mercy unto a merciful God. Deuteronomy four thirty one it says this: For the Lord thy God is a merciful God; He will not forsake sake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. Uh, Psalms 86, it says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Psalm 103, 17, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Psalms 106, 1, Praise ye the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy 
mercy endureth forever. So you see, David recognized God's mercy there. And then he professed his iniquity. Verse number three, he says, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before thee. What David did before, David knew he sinned. David knew he messed up. When he saw the lust of his uh, eyes and the pride of life, the lust of the flesh when he saw Bathsheba, and he went and sent for her and he took her and he laid with her, and she turned up pregnant. He tried to cover that up. He tried to make a way, some way, somehow. Man, bring Uriah back here. Let's get him all liquored up. Let's send him home. Let's do something. Let's cover this in. He tried to cover it up. You don't see that in David here now. He's not trying to cover it up. He is acknowledging his transgressions unto God. Church, listen to me. We're going to see the result of what happened in David's life. Just because you stumble, Christian, does not mean you're utterly cast down. Just because you slip, just because you, you, you stumble does not mean that God is through with you. Let me tell you when I know when God is through with you, when you don't have any more air in your body. That's a pretty good sign that God's done with you at that point. But up until then, listen, God is a merciful God. And so in, instead of continuing to try to cover it up and have that relationship with God severed, as we'll see in a minute, his relationship, his fellowship with God, his joy, everything was gone. It was severed. So instead of continuing in that position, he acknowledged where he was at. He said, I acknowledge. What was that? Verse number three. For I acknowledge my transgressions. You will never get restoration with God. See, acknowledge where you're at. You can't do it. It's absolutely impossible. I could, I could desire to go to Parkersburg all I wanted. But unless I understood I was in Belmont, I'd have no way to know how to get there. Does that make sense? And so if I want to have a restored relationship with God, man, I have to understand where I'm at so I can get there. And so many Christians, they allow those little sins to beset them. They allow them to come into their life. And before they know it, they're living in a world, in the world and they don't acknowledge it, so therefore, they can't get back unto God. So we see that uh, he professed his iniquity. And church, it's all about choices. It is all about choices. I mean to tell you, every, every Sunday I preach, and uh, multiple times uh, throughout Wednesday's services, you know, when we're teaching on the Word of God, man, every service, I am, you know what I'm doing? I am proposing unto you the choice to listen and follow to God. It's kind of my purpose. If, if you were to break it down into a nutshell, I'm going to proclaim the Word of God, and you are going to make the choice to accept it or reject it. That's it. And so our life is kind of a sum of these choices. Our spiritual life is a sum of these choices. I am saved today not because I did anything to earn salvation, but that I chose to trust in the one who provided it freely. And so our, our, our spiritual life is a sum of these choices. And so, you know, I, I've said it on multiple occasions. We do for God. We can do anything for God. 
not based upon our merit, but upon who He is. It's His ability, not ours. And so we can either do great things for God or we can not do anything for God. But it's not because of any certain ability that we have. It's on the choices we make either to follow Him and how closely we're going to follow Him. David professed his iniquity. He chose to acknowledge it instead of to cover it up. And then we said that, see in uh, verse number 2, also in verse number 7, that he petitioned God's cleansing. Verse number 2, it says this, he says, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse number 7, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall uh, be whiter than snow. We see he petitioned God's cleansing. Once he realized his transgressions, once he realized what he was, then, then he just went to God and he said, cleanse me, please cleanse me, wash me. If you wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. He was pleading for God to cleanse him. In your life as a uh, Christian, you can, you can do all the cleaning you want to, but the ultimate cleaner is him. He's the one. And if you will just make that choice to submit unto him and do as David did and said, wash me, cleanse me. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 65, 3 says, Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. Revelation 1.5, and from Jesus Christ, who is faithful witness, uh, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. David petitioned God's cleansing. So you see that when it was revealed unto David that the uh, uh, by the preaching of the inspired word of God, we see that he uh, desired... Uh, acknowledged where he was at now we see that he was desiring to be restored we see restoration sought and we see he desired a clean heart and a right spirit in verse number 10 he says this he says create in me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me let me tell you what that means that means he was desiring a restoration of spirit or a correct attitude a correct attitude he as I'd mentioned before, he had let this sin kind of creep into his life. And so when he was looking at his conduct and he was looking at his actions and he was looking at all the things he was doing, he was justifying them. He was justifying the way he lived. He was, he was seeing that, listen, number one, I am king. Number two, God put me here. Uh, number three, I've done a lot of good things for the Lord. And so God's really not that upset with my sin. Isn't that how we rationalize this stuff? I mean, really. That's how we do it. We, we look at our lives, and then, and then we do the ultimate in stupidity, and we start comparing ourselves to somebody else. Let me tell you what. God will never compare you with somebody else. He's going to compare you to what his expectations were for you. That's what he's going to compare you to. And so, but that's what we do. We rationalize. Uh, we start making all these excuses for it, and then we start comparing ourselves to somebody else. David desired to have a different mindset. Instead of making excuse, he wanted a clean heart and a right spirit. One that saw sin for what it is. 
one that saw wickedness for what it is, and to see it that way. If we would, if we would just see sin the way God sees sin, it would keep us from sin. Does that make sense? If we would truly see sin as the wicked thing that it is, like God saw sin, like God sent His Son for, if we looked at sin that way instead of excusing it and looking over it and making excuses for it, it would keep us from sin. And that's what David wanted. David said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Have my mind changed, have my attitude changed, God, to where I am more godly in my views as opposed to more fleshly in them. That's what David sought, man. He sought restoration of spirit. He sought not to be a castaway. He wanted a restoration of fellowship. Verse number uh, 11, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And so we see that he sought not to be a castaway. He desired that fellowship with the Lord. He wanted it renewed. And think of the contrast here. As I was studying this out a little bit ago, I was kind of thinking of the contrast. Where David was with God, where we are with God. I mean, listen, David, David had the promise of God and we have the realization of the promise with God. Right? I mean, he was looking forward unto the Messiah. We're looking back into the Messiah. We have that promise fulfilled of God. We have, we have that middle wall of partition broken down between us and God to where we can boldly go to the throne of grace and cry out, Abba, Father. David didn't have that. David had to sacrifice. David had to seek a, a mediator, whereas Jesus Christ is our mediator. And, and so we have an, an opportunity to have such closer fellowship with Jesus, with God, than, than what David had. But my question is, are we utilizing it? That's the question. David wanted that fellowship. I'll tell you this. There are people that I just love to be around. Some people, not so much. Hey, man, y'all got them too. Right? I'm probably some of y'all. But there is nothing like unto the fellowship of God. I mean to tell you. I had, I had, not this past Wednesday, but the Wednesday before, I had such sweet fellowship with God. I did. All day, I spent in His Word and in prayer, and it was so sweet. And I don't, I don't, I don't usually get to spend all day like that. You say, well, preacher, that's all you do. I mean, you, you work about three hours a week, uh, so surely you got all the time. I don't, I don't have all that time to do that as much as I'd like. But that day, man, it was so nice just to spend time with the Lord. It is so good to spend fellowship with the Lord. And that's what David wanted. When he had sinned, that fellowship was broken. He couldn't just call out to him. He couldn't just seek his face. He couldn't. I mean, he really didn't even have any desire to you know how it is. You know how it is when you uh, have old friends or old relationships and, and, you, and you mesh so well and you click so well and then 
over the course of time, there was a separation come in. Maybe, you know, you moved away or they moved away or something like that. And then, but when you get back together, oh, it's that sweet fellowship. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know that? You know, that, that you had and then kind of missed? That's what David wanted. You know, he had that fellowship with the Lord. And then sin had come in. And he just desired it. He remembered what it was like. He said, renew that fellowship with me. That was one of the responses that David had sought out. He had sought not to be a castaway. He wanted a restoration of fellowship. He wanted a restoration of his, uh, his right spirit, right mindset. And he wanted a restoration. He cried out for a restoration of joy. Verse number 12, he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Now, one thing that I want you to understand, I think it's important to point these things out whenever we run across them in Scripture. Notice carefully that David did not say, Restore unto me thy salvation. He did not say that. Even though David had sinned and he had sinned wickedly, his fellowship was broken, but his relationship never was. He simply said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He desired to have his joy back. If you're writing things down, write this down. That is, the sorrow of sin lasts much longer than that of pleasure. Sin does bring pleasure for a season, but that is all it is. And once that pleasure is gone, the sorrow still remains. And so there it was. David had, uh, David had lived in that situation for some time. I mean, it was... Uh, unless that child was a real preemie, I mean, he at least lived in that situation for probably close unto a year. And so his fellowship was, was broken. It was uh, destroyed. And he had, he had had that sin, but he didn't have joy. He didn't have joy. Sin and joy do not occupy the same place. Sin and pleasure may, but never sin and joy. Joy is something that comes from the Lord. And so we see that he cried out for that restoration of, of joy. He desired to have that joy in his life. I'm going to tell you what, church. I have, I have been in times in my life where I've had no joy. And then there's other times in my life where I've had that sweet joy from the Lord. And I can tell you what, um, all things being equal, it's a whole lot better to have joy than not. <laughs> Amen. All right. Lastly here, we see because of David's repentant heart and his change of mind from the sinful lifestyle that he was in uh, to his restoration unto the Lord, we see lastly here the results that we're seeing. Number uh, verse number 13, he says this, after, after he pleads uh, for that cleansing, verse number 13, he says, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. And so, in other words, what David had received, David wants to give. He says, then I will teach transgressors thy way. And so, notice the progression here. God sent Nathan unto David. 
so that David could see where he was at and get away from that, to repent and turn and change his mind from worldly things unto God. Nathan had, God had sent Nathan to do that for David, and now David's saying, restore me, give me a clean heart, change my attitude, give me back my joy. Man, I'll do that for someone else. I'll teach transgressors thy ways. That's the way it should be, church. We live in a selfish society. We want and want and want to get things from God, right? But we certainly don't desire to give the things of God to others. Brethren, it ought not be that way. It ought not be that way. David said, he said, God, do this for me. Man, I am pledging that I will teach transgressors thy ways. He didn't say that I might or I'll think about it or I'll really consider this. He says, I will teach transgressors thy ways. And then he, he gives them a promise of fruit. Go on to verse number 13. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. And so not only did he pledge to teach, man, but he's promising fruit. He says, sinners shall. That's definite. And you say, well, how, how can you promise that? How can, how can he do that? I mean, he, didn't, he didn't say, I'll do my best, Lord, or I'll try my best. Really, really, God, I, I'm going to try to uh, convert people. He said, man, they shall be converted unto thee. Well, how can we say that? Well, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Uh, so neither he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. And so we know that. Listen, uh, Paul, Paul is not saying that God uh, might give the increase. He said, God giveth the increase. You show me some Christians that have no fruit for their labor. I'll show you Christians that have no labor. Amen. It's kind of that law of averages. If you're casting seed and you're casting seed, listen, some's going to go by the wayside. Some will fall on stony ground. And some's going to take root. Some's going to take root. And so David, he wasn't worried about him converting them. He was just pledging that he was going to do his part and he had faith that God would convert them. We see, uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And so the problem isn't getting the fruit to come up, it's just the faithfulness in sowing. And so we see that there, was, there would be results in David's repentance, results in David's recognition of his state and desire to turn from it. And then lastly, here we see a prayer for the people in verse number 18. He says, Do good in thy pleasure unto Zion, build thou the walls of Jerusalem. And so David's heart wasn't just on himself anymore. Start praying for others. Focus started going off of self and on to others. If we get a heart for God, that's what will happen with us. If we truly get a heart for God and get a mind for God and get the mind of God, then our mind's going to be off of self and on to others. 
It's going to be less concern for ourselves and more concern for those that are lost and dying and going to hell. And so David, here it was. Notice David's choice. Notice David's choice, and then we're going to close. And that was David had sinned. David was confronted with that sin. And he could either continue to try to cover it up or acknowledge it and move on for the glory of God. One of the two. As far as I can tell, there's, there's, there's no third option. There's nothing more that you could do instead of one of those two. And so I don't know where you are or what it is that is hindering you. I would just ask yourself this. I was posing this uh, question the other day, thought about this. Think, think to yourself this simple thought. Ask yourself this. If everyone in the church's commitment to God was equal to my commitment of God, would the church be better or worse? Ask yourself that question. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a convicting question. If everyone in the church's commitment unto God and the things of God were just like mine, would the church be better or would it be worse? Would the cause of Christ be, be, be better? Would it go forward more fervently than it does now? Or would the church die and lost souls fall into hell? We see a godly response to sin in Psalm 51. A godly response to sin. And you may not, and I hope, I hope there's no one here guilty of laying with another's spouse and then having the spouse murdered. Uh, I, I don't think that uh, we're in danger of, of that happening, uh, at least have happened here in this church. Lord willing, it won't ever. But make no mistake, make no mistake, you may not be in outward sin, you may be an inward sin. You may not be overtly sinning to where everyone sees you. May, you may simply have that sin hidden in your heart. Then again, it could be something very simple as this, as that you are sinning in neglecting to do for God what you as a Christian are obligated to do for God. Him that knoweth to do good and doeth not to him, it is sin. And so, I don't know where you're at, and I don't know what hinders you. I don't know at all. What I do know is, I opened my Bible, this is the message God gave me this afternoon. And I don't think God makes mistakes, so I think it's for you. Let's all stand. I do believe this. I believe that any, any heart and attitude toward the things of God such as David's, a realization and in a repentance, a changing, a turning of mind, going from self unto the Lord, it will bring results. Those results will be a blessing unto you in the day of judgment.